MAGA Republican humiliation on the floor of the House of Representatives. We've been through 11 roll call votes. Kevin McCarthy has not secured the speakership, essentially unprecedented at this point in American history. But when you expect insurrectionists to govern, this is the outcome. Meanwhile, as the House of Representatives is in other chaos, Special Counsel Jack Smith has arrived back from The Hague to Washington, D.C., and Bloomberg is reporting that his charging decisions are imminent. So stay tuned, folks. We may see indictments coming sooner than even we predicted here at the Midas Touch Network. And President Biden spent this week being completely normal and celebrating the infrastructure package in Kentucky on a bipartisan basis with Mitch McConnell, which is making Donald Trump completely lose his mind. And Trump looks weaker than ever as he posts some of the strangest and most bizarre and desperate posts on his failing social media platform. Even a weird one that we'll just pull up right now if we can. This is a post of Donald Trump at the, he he did this meme of himself in the, there it is right there, folks, for those listening. It's a photo that Trump posted on his social media platform of him in the speaker's chair with his tongue sticking out, touching his belly, because that is who Donald Trump is, a traitor, a fascist, a complete loser, and beyond immature. What an embarrassment to our country. (laughs) We were covering the House of Representatives chaos for eight hours straight, segueing into (laughs) the Midas Touch podcast. I'm Ben Micellis, joined by Brett and Jordy Micellis. We've been passing the baton back and forth. Uh, trying to keep this nonstop coverage with the continuity you deserve. And for those just tuning in, what you are watching right now is a motion to adjourn proposed by Steve Scalise and the Republicans after Kevin McCarthy failed in the 11th roll call vote. They want to adjourn until tomorrow. Yesterday on Wednesday, They adjourned after he lost for, I think, the sixth time to come back. And then they came back and then they adjourned again and they celebrated the adjournment like it was a big win. Then there was more votes today. And today there's been eight hours straight of Kevin McCarthy losing, losing, (laughs) losing, and losing again with 21 Republican defections. At this point, folks, even if Kevin McCarthy manages, to secure the speakership, he will have absolutely no power, less power than he agreed to even before the votes, where it would take five, just five Republican votes to remove him on a no-confidence basis. And now, apparently, what he's agreed is that just one. We know that there's at least 21. And so rather than try to make a deal with Democrats or moderates, as Ellie Mistel said, I think Kevin McCarthy would rather just be the king of ashes as he destroys this institution. Brett Micellis, Jordy Micellis, how you both doing? 
and King of Ashes is where he is. I don't even know if he's heading for that just yet. I mean, right now, what we've been witnessing, like Ben said, is the utter humiliation over and over and over of Kevin McCarthy. Uh, whether you're tuning in live or whether you're listening, Kevin McCarthy, at the point of this recording, has now lost 11 consecutive votes for Speaker of the House. He has only lost more and more support as the votes have went on with now 21 defections, 21 people not voting for Kevin McCarthy during this historic humiliation. For those just listening to this, I want to say hello, and I want to remind everybody of the solemn anniversary, the solemn date that it is today. It is January 6th. 2023 for those listening the second anniversary of the january 6th attack so i think it is quite poignant to see right now the dysfunction of the republicans in our government who have been co-opted by the insurrectionist QAnon MAGA wing, how they have totally torpedoed our government, how they have totally made a mockery of our democratic system, how they have completely made it so that our government cannot even function. Two years ago, we saw them attack our government from the outside, attack it with weapons, attack it violently, trying to overthrow the overturn the results of the 2020 election. Today, we see this happening from within with still no Speaker of the House being seated. There is rumors. Brett, I just right want to clarify for those listening or watching, when you were saying January 6th, it's for our audio listeners who will get Correct. this podcast on the 6th. For those watching live, we realize that it is January 5th. <laughs> We've all been broadcasting eight hours straight at this point but brett their plan to adjourn and it looks like with 30 seconds left on the timer right now that they will be able to secure the adjournment that means that when this vote will take place and when a deal might be cut to your point brett will fall on that day that will live in infamy will fall mm -hmm. on january 6th where the insurrectionists will then be further empowered if a deal is going to be made on the anniversary, the two-year anniversary of January 6th. Jordy, what are your thoughts on this day? Jordy and I were doing our coverage earlier today, and then Jordy went to do some other things. But Jordy, how is it now? What's been your perspective on watching loss after loss, watching the behavior of Republicans, watching Matt Gates desperately try to nominate Donald Trump? What, what are your thoughts as we, by the way, are receiving the votes right now, the final tally to adjourn for the night, so Ooh. it seems. And let's go, back let's, to the house let's floor? go to the House floor just so we can hear this make be made official. Let's put up the volume so our, our viewers can hear. On this vote, the yeas are 219, the nays are 213. The motion is adopted. Accordingly, the House stands adjourned until noon tomorrow. Noon so Eastern, January 6th, 2023. Two years, Jordy. Wow. The date of the anniversary. We, we are seeing the insurrectionists engaged in holding our government hostage right now. Jay, what do you think? I just want to say, I mean, what a day this has been. I mean, true, utter chaos, 
from this Republican Party. It's really, as an American, as someone who really calls himself a, a patriot, who cares deeply about this country, what they have done is just embarrassed us once again on a global stage. These Republicans have no plan. They have no leadership. They have no North Star other than just being ridiculous human beings that only care about themselves. They don't want to govern this country as shown time and time and time again. I mean, the fact that McCarthy even came to the floor without securing enough votes, it just goes to show there's no planning taking place. There's none of that. They are totally unorganized as a group. And where you see the Democrats standing behind Akeem Jeffries time after time again, giving great speeches, just understanding the moment and really living up to all expectations that you could want out of them. These Republicans have failed this country time and time again. And now it's playing out on a national stage and a global stage. And Ben, before I toss it back to you, I mean, we once used this term for Ted Cruz because he just likes to embarrass himself. We called, him a, going with this. we called him a BDSM Republican. And look, we're not king shaming. If that's your thing. That's your thing. But <laughs> I'm just saying, I think Kevin McCarthy now is head BDSM Republican. What say you? Know, I like to call them traitors. I like to call them fascists. But let's let's talk about where this all began <laughs> on Tuesday. And this is with Kevin McCarthy walking into the House of Representatives very confidently saying that on Tuesday it was going to be a very, very good day. And we proceeded to see Kevin McCarthy just lie and lie and lie. But let's show the clip of Kevin McCarthy walking in on Tuesday and doing what Kevin McCarthy does, just gaslight. Play the clip. Mr. McCarthy, you got the votes yet? oh, we're going to have a good day today. And then he quickly came out and then started pointing his finger at Matt Gates and calling out Matt Gates by his name and saying, Matt Gates said, I don't care if we go to plurality and we elect Hakeem Jeffries. Let's play that clip. For a long time. I've been leader for four years. I came into this position and we had less than 200 members. We are now sitting in the majority. We put forth to the American public a commitment to America. There's times we're going to have to argue with our own members if they're looking at for only positions for themselves, not for the country. For the last two months, we worked together as a whole conference to develop rules that empower all members. But we're not empowering certain members over others. Last night, I was presented the only way to have 218 votes if I provided certain members with certain positions, certain gavels to take over the church committee, to have certain budgets. And they even came to the position where one, Matt Gates said, I don't care if we go to plurality and we elect Hakeem Jeffries and it hurts the new frontline members not to get reelected. Well, that's not about America. And I will always fight to put the American people first, not a few individuals that want something for themselves. So we may have a battle on the floor, but the battle is for the conference and the country. And that's fine with me. Every so time Matt Gates out by name, not exactly the way to win friends and influence people there. I mean, they're all horrible <laughs> people. But I don't think so. And, and also projecting, also McCarthy projecting there, oh, all these people who just want power, who just don't want to do what's right for the country, but just want power. Maybe like you, Kevin McCarthy, maybe like you who refuses to take a hint right now, 
refuse to take a hint that the public does not want you, that nobody wants you to be Speaker of the House. You are getting resoundly defeated. And remember, it's not just the 21 Republicans who refuse to vote for you. There are also 212 Democrats voting against you and voting for Hakeem Jeffries there. You, nobody wants you to be Speaker of the House, no matter how much you want it, no matter how much you give away. And we're seeing all these ridiculous stunts play out. We're seeing Kevin McCarthy go to the press and try to act like he's got a deal and that he's extracted some concessions from people. But here we are, more than 11 voting rounds later, Kevin McCarthy has not only not gained a vote, but he has lost votes. He actually has fewer votes now than he did when voting began. And he continues every single day to give away more of his power. And what Ben had suggested earlier for those who are listening for the first time to our coverage is, you know, if you're a real leader and you want to actually be a governing speaker of the house with some semblance of power, perhaps you would take it upon yourself to speak to the Democrats, find a way to get their votes by offering power sharing agreements and giving up a little bit of power on that side so that you could at least have some power as Speaker of the House. But instead, what has Kevin McCarthy done? Kevin McCarthy has turned to the most radical voices in his party, the people who don't even want to touch him, the people who don't want anything to do with him, the Lauren Boeberts's, the Matt Gates's, the Tom Massey's, the Paul Gosar's, and he's begging them, what could I do for you? What could I do for you, insurrectionists? I will give you anything you want. I will give you all of my power. Take it. Do you, oh, you want to oust me at any time? I'll give just one of you. That's all I need. Just one of you. you know, that's all you need to do. Just one of you needs to oust me and we'll have a vote. That is the speakership that Kevin McCarthy wants. And even if he does find a way to 218 or whatever the vote tally is, depending on how many people end up voting present, if he does get the speaker of the House role, he will be a speaker in name only. He will be a puppet of the far right. He will be completely hamstringed with zero power, zero integrity. Nobody already at this moment, nobody has respect for the guy. His respect will go down even worse. All he's done is he's made a mockery of this country. He's made a mockery of the Republican Party, and he's made a mockery of himself. And he will go down in history as one of the biggest losers and one of the most craven opportunists of our time, if not in American history. As we continue to focus on, let's let's keep going through what's happening on each day. Great, great Brett brand. Great by the way. A plus let's keep going, let, let's keep taking you know our, our our listeners and viewers through though what was happening to really kind of catch them up rapid fire in 10, 15 minutes on everything that's transpired over the past 72 hours. So um after uh, you had McCarthy saying it was going to be a great day. Here you have Marjorie Taylor Greene again calling Matt Gates out by name, saying, if my friends in the Freedom Caucus, Matt Gates and others, they are proving to the country that they don't care about doing the right thing for America. So we see this disunity taking place, forming on the one hand Marjorie Taylor Greene, who's now aligned with McCarthy, and Marjorie Taylor Greene and all of her posts right now is just getting ratioed like no other by the quote-unquote base, the base this, the base that. The extremists are like, we thought you were the biggest extremist. Now you're supporting Kevin McCarthy. What are you doing here? But let's play this clip of what Marjorie Taylor Greene said on Tuesday. If, if my friends in the Freedom Caucus, Matt Gates and others, will not take the win when they have it, they're proving to the country that they don't care about doing the right thing for, the, for America. They're proving to the country that they're just destructionists. 
And that's that's not what we need to do as a party. That's that's why Republicans fail. And I, I'm really tired of it. So <laughs> beyond gaslighting. So then in response to that, then Lauren Boebert gave a press conference and she said, We thought we would be sworn in today, but we're being sworn at right now. If we got that clip, let's oh play that goodness. one. And so now here we are being sworn at instead of being sworn in. And we could have had this solved months ago. I have been working every day to unify the Republican Party for the American people. And yesterday we had a deal that was not a selfish deal in any way for Kevin McCarthy to get him the gavel on the first ballot. And he eagerly dismissed us. Eagerly dismissed us. Do you remember, Brett, back in 2020 when Kevin McCarthy was trying to mock Nancy Pelosi and say that Pelosi uh, didn't have the votes when he went on Maria Bartoloma and said that? If we've got that clip, can we play that one right now? Let's just let's pull that one up. Only know in January, because to become speaker, you have to have 218 votes on the floor. When she went up for that vote two years ago, there were 15 Democrats who voted against her. Ten of those Democrats will be coming to Congress. Those 10 vote against her again. She will not be Speaker of the House because she won't have 218 because of the gains of the Republicans. There you have him in 2020 saying that. And it was all popcorn by the Democrats. But first, I want to play you just so everybody remembers. This was 2015 when Kevin McCarthy was supposed to be the Speaker then, but then he was purportedly embroiled in some affair where they pushed him aside back then. But this was him bowing out in 2015. I just want everybody to remember. Play the clip. I, I don't want making voting for speaker a tough one. I don't want to go to the floor and win with 220 votes. I think the best thing for our party right now is that you have 247 votes on the floor. If we are going to be strong, we got to be 100% united. Kevin McCarthy had some real Michael Scott from the office energy in that clip. There's something about Hilarious. the way he was speaking. I was thinking uh, the same thing. Right? Our brains <laughs> work so silly. Yeah, I was and, thinking you know, the exact same thing. At that time, there were, you know, there was a tweet from none other than Donald Trump. Of course, as we all know, there is always a tweet for everything. And on October 8th, 2015, Donald Trump, while he was still on Twitter and tweeting, he wrote, great, Kevin McCarthy drops out of speaker race. We need a really smart and really tough person to take over this very important job. Trump in 2015. And for our viewers right now, we are pulling up that tweet so that you could see it. And so how far we've come, but how much things also stay the same. And now you have Trump who is trying to get everybody, despite his best efforts, to say, Vote for Kevin. Everything's going great. This is perfect. Everything's amazing. Everything's rosy. Despite all that, not only are folks not listening to Donald Trump, they are actually voting against Donald Trump, both directly when he was nominated for the speaker role, but also voting against his suggestions, which was to vote for Kevin McCarthy, since that the recent Truth Social messages were sent out by Trump in support of Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy has only lost further support. Brett, that's such an excellent point because I, I really want to emphasize to, to, to our audience here, every time Kevin McCarthy loses these votes, it's another loss for Donald Trump because Donald Trump went out on a limb 
And he backed Kevin McCarthy the other day saying, everyone get behind McCarthy. I put it in my own words there, but essentially that's what he had said. And every time now that it goes to the floor for a vote and McCarthy loses, that just goes to show you one step further that the Donald Trump endorsement, it's not that it doesn't mean anything. It's actually the opposite of what it used to mean. It, the, the power in it, it is turned on its head where now it's the worst thing that could come. If Trump endorses you, you are now untouchable one step further. And it's just that stench, that stanky stench that just can't get off of you. Well, Jordy, if they call us the Midas touch, they call Donald Trump in, in some languages the Mieritus touch, which uh, you could look up what that means in Spanish to find out exactly what that means. But it is the quite the opposite of the Midas touch. Benny. So on day, on day one, the MAGA Republicans were voting for Jim Jordan, a group of 20 who were defecting. Brett, to your point, by Wednesday, that increased to 21. Jim Jordan would basically say, don't vote for me, vote for Kevin McCarthy. And then they would vote for Jim Jordan. Not only that, they then went on uh, the Fox propaganda channel, and then they would compare Jim Jordan to George Washington. Like, and all of this was playing out real time on the live. So here's uh, Lauren Boebert calling uh, Jim Jordan, comparing him to uh, the kind of the reluctant leader like George Washington. Play the clip. Our candidate is Jim Jordan. He may not want it right now, but George Washington did not want to be president. He did what was right for his country. So we have. Here's MAGA extremist Scott Perry, who's under criminal investigation by the Department of Justice, maybe one of those imminent charging decisions that's going to be made by special counsel Jack Smith now that he's returned to Washington, D.C. But here's Scott Perry also comparing Jim Jordan to George Washington. Look, if you listen to watch the speech that Jim Jordan gave, quite honestly, most Republicans sat there and said, Oh, my goodness, why isn't this guy running for speaker? And mm -hmm. while I know Jim would be reluctant, I remind everybody, George Washington was reluctant, too, when his country called. So the way. Meanwhile, it was all popcorn by the Democrats. Congressman Ted Lieu took a photograph outside of his office and Democrats were not giving any support at all to Kevin McCarthy. Why would they? Kevin McCarthy literally tried to kill them. But Democrats, each time they took the floor to nominate Hakeem Jeffries, their leader. They would give these impassioned speeches about unity and also throwing shade the way of the MAGA Republicans with all their disorder and chaos. Here's Representative Pete Aguilar, Democrat from California, in one such moment. Play the clip. Today, Madam Clerk, House Democrats are united. And that was day and that was uh, day one <laughs> right there. Um, there was also the sideshow going on, of course, of George Santos was there on uh, on day one. And I mean, what was he even what was he even doing there, Brett? Did you did you see Santos? You know, every time they cut to Santos and they cut to Santos quite frequently during this broadcast, he just looked like. You know, he he looked like a kid in his first day of school who couldn't quite find his group of friends. And we watched him kind of stand there awkwardly. We saw that point earlier in the week in which they were calling out his name for the vote. George Santos, George Santos, George Santos. 
and he just sat there, didn't respond, which led many to speculate, well, perhaps that's because he's used so many names and aliases in his life of fraud that George Santos isn't even really his name. That might be the name that he ran as for Congress, but when he was called by his name, he did not respond to it. We already know that he's gone his whole life by a bunch of different names, by George DeVolder, I think one of them was. Anthony DeVolder is one of them. The guy has literally used multiple aliases throughout his life and very recently. So when they called George Santos multiple times for his vote on one occasion, he did not even respond to it. But guess who he did ultimately vote for Mm -hmm. in every round that he voted for? George Santos is on team Kevin McCarthy. That is who McCarthy has in his corner people like George Santos. And as we go through the days, I, it was interesting seeing Santos kind of find his crew, kind of find his friends. And today we spotted when the cameras panned over to him, we finally <laughs> saw Santos speaking to some other members of Congress. And who was he speaking to? He And this is going to shock you, not. it's He was speaking to Marjorie Taylor Greene and Thomas Massey. They were having a bit of a laugh and there is the photo. And, uh, you know, we asked earlier on one of the earlier broadcasts, what you want to caption this photo. You all chimed in and said the three magateers love it. And as you see this photo, you see these three degenerates here who (laughs) represent the total dysfunction and fraud and insurrection of the Republican party sitting side by side. We kind of said this the other day as speculation with Santos, the reason why McCarthy didn't comment on the situation and sort of we hypothesized that it's because he definitely wants Santos's vote. Like that, that's the only reason that we could think of other than the fact that McCarthy is a coward and spineless. But as these days go on, you actually see how important the Santos vote is for him. Like, let's just remember the midterms, this last midterm election cycle, these Republicans just narrowly squeaked out the majority. So he so they have 222 Republicans, right? McCarthy needs at least 218 votes. He can only afford to lose four votes. He can't afford to lose a fifth vote there. So he needs every single Republican basically to back him. So he can't afford to go after Santos. And so as you so see, have to embrace, to vote for him. They have to embrace a complete fraud traitor who's wow. lied about everything. So then you go into day two and Uh, The MAGA Republicans go from supporting Jim Jordan to Byron Donalds from uh, Florida. Um, There's three roll call votes there. They lose. They then vote to adjourn until the evening, saying that there's a deal that they believe they were going to have. So we all waited. We stopped our broadcast, returned at 8 Eastern, and then they voted to adjourn, and then they, like, celebrated it. Like it was like a, like it was like a win, like it was a W and then they like brag that they adjourned. I mean, like how horrific can you be? While all this was playing out, we started seeing the weird Donald Trump posts on social media. And so you have the post of Trump where um, he's calling all of what's transpiring leading into day three after they've lost six times, he's calling it a victory and that this is actually a really, really good thing. And he goes, I actually think that a big Republican victory today after going through numerous roll calls that failed to produce a speaker of the House has made the position and process of getting to be speaker 
bigger and more important than if it were done in a more traditional way, much like me again becoming president after having won big in 2016, gotten many millions of more votes in 2020, but quote, supposedly, end quote, not winning, big lie, and then winning again in 2024. It will be bigger than the traditional way. The post before that that he has after the first day failed, if we have it, was the one where he attacked Mitch McConnell and said these horrible things, racist, xenophobic things about Elaine Chow, Mitch McConnell's wife. Donald Trump wrote, there is so much unnecessary turmoil in the Republican Party, in large part due to people like the old broken crow Mitch McConnell, his wife Coco Chow, who is a sellout to China, and their rhino allies who make it difficult for everyone else by constantly capitulating to hopeless Joe Biden and the Democrats. The $1.7 trillion Green New Deal booster that McConnell and the rhinos handed to the Dems last week was a real downer and embarrassment to Republicans. I mean, this is a real embarrassment to the United States of America that this traitor is still walking free. Fortunately, special counsel Jack Smith is going to make charging decisions soon, and most legal observers believe that there will be an indictment of Donald Trump. The issue is not really if, but when. I believe it'll happen more April, May. Others believe it'll happen sooner, but that's to be determined. But you see those discussions post that he makes. But as he made those posts, Kevin McCarthy actually lost support from 20 defections to 21 defections. So Trump looking utterly weak. And I want to compare this, though, to President Biden. I want to show you a clip now of President Biden speaking to the press, very presidential, saying this is completely embarrassing what we are seeing right now. He's speaking to Ducey uh, of Fox and just saying, like, we work so hard to try to improve America's standing following the January 6th insurrection. And this is what we see. Come on, man. Come on, people. This is a bad look. Play that clip if we have it. We're finally coming out of, you know, the first time we're really getting through the whole issue relating to January 6th. Things are settling out. And now, for the first time in 100 years, can't move. I mean, I really mean it. I know you know international relations. It's not a good look. It's not a good thing. It's the United States of America, and I hope they get their act together. And what's going to happen if there is no speaker for a week or a month? What's the impact? Okay. So true, Brett. I mean, it is. It's a. You know, the Scheidenfreude was real the first day. You know, me cheering on uh, as the MAGA Republicans humiliated itself the first day. Great. The second day, great. By the end of the second day, after last night's adjournment leading into today, even the first vote today, the seventh roll call vote that McCarthy lost, I was still enjoying it. Can I okay, check you on your pronunciation for schadenfreude? Because I get checked on pronunciations all the time. It's definitely not schadenfreude. It's definitely schadenfreude. That's a mic drop right there. Okay. Jordy, with the big correction of I've been waiting. I've been waiting multiple podcasts to get that in. Well, you know, we we do get most of the emails that we do receive about the show is about Ben's pronunciation of things. I which speak for I, eight hours straight. I, I, I do appreciate. <laughs> I try to send Ben when when they pile up enough to a great enough point. Like when I get multiple about the same thing, I'm like, okay, I will pass this along to Ben. Uh, but yeah, when you speak a lot. 
And for like today, we're going on now eight and a half, nine hours of nonstop speaking. Got to give us a break occasionally, but it's good for Jordy to occasionally get a jab back at Ben. So Ben, what, what here's, happened Here's next? a breaking What's... news story though, Brett, from the Daily Beast right now, exclusive. Long time concern. I don't, I'm not calling him a conservative activist. I'm just going to replace insurrectionist. Exclusive longtime insurrectionist activist and head of CPAC, Matt Schlapp, is being accused of, quote, sustained and unwanted and unsolicited sexual contact after allegedly groping mm. a Herschel Walker staffer's crotch in October. The staffer informed the Walker campaign the next morning, who he said offered, quote, nothing but support throughout the ordeal that's breaking from the daily beast. And I believe Matt Schlapp was the party Matt Schlapp hosted the party that the MAGA Supreme court justices uh, attended. Also the CPAC that said we are all domestic terrorists. I mean, if you're watching this internationally of what's going on with this MAGA Republican party, I mean, even if you're watching it here in the United States, it, it's every second, right? You got George Santos, you got Matt Schlapp, during our live broadcast of the proceedings today, you know, you would have these MAGA Republicans going up and they would continue to endorse Kevin McCarthy or they would endorse Byron Donalds or, or, or Jim Jordan or at uh, one point Matt Gates endorsed Donald Trump and Trump received one vote and another L for Donald Trump. One of the things that we would do when that would take place, we would just put up an article about them, you know, and one person would, you know, was... Uh, who had, had said something about like made statements to a friend about raping a 15 year old girl. You know, the other person supported the insurrection. The other person said that the insurrection inspired them to all, all MAGA Republicans, of course, to um, to further deny the election and to object to the count after. And you'd put them up one by one and we would just put up who these people are. And it was like a who, who, who's who of like more despicable than the next. It was almost comical if it wasn't so abhorrent and disgusting every time somebody would get up to speak and we would do a quick search about their background and find something immediately as to just how sick and disgusting these people are. Let me read more from this Daily Beast story about Mac Schlapp of CPAC as the headline states, Herschel Walker staffer, Matt Schlapp groped my crotch. And the article reads, a staffer for Herschel Walker Senate campaign has alleged to the Daily Beast that longtime Republican act activist Matt Schlapp made, quote, sustained and unwanted and unsolicited sexual contact with him while the staffer was driving Schlapp back from an Atlanta bar this October. The staffer said the incident occurred the night of October 19th when Schlapp, chair of the American Conservative Union and lead organizer for the influential Conservative Political Action Conference, groped and fondled his crotch in his car against his will after buying him drinks at two different bars. The staffer described Schlapp, who had traveled to Georgia for a Walker campaign event as inappropriately and repeatedly intruding into his personal space at the bars. He said he was keenly aware of his, quote, power dynamic with Schlapp, widely regarded as one of the most influential figures in national their words, conservative politics. We call it insurrectionist politics or fascist politics here. Nothing conservative about them. Schlapp, the staffer recalled, said he had wanted to spend the evening discussing the staffer's professional future. Quote, it was a public space and I was thinking that he got the hint. I did not want to embarrass him, he said, but it escalated. So there you have it. Matt Schlapp, 
uh, his attorney responding, calling this an attack and denying any improper behavior. Once again, this is not coming from a Democrat or liberal journalist. This is coming from a staffer on the Herschel Walker campaign. Yet another allegation against the, quote, party of family values who continues to run counter to everything they espouse, who continues to do everything to try to use their power to exploit others, take advantage of others. And this, the latest example from this reporting from the Daily Beast just breaking about Matt Schlapp, famously, who put up the sign at the CPAC event that said, we are all domestic terrorists. That was Matt Schlapp's event and has been noted before he hosted the party where Brett Kavanaugh attended and Matt Gates attended and others where they were probably boofing and doing whatever else that they do when Brett Kavanaugh is around Ben. Boofing. What they say is everything Donald Donald Trump touches dies and uh, you had Lindsey Graham say if we elect him he's going to be the destruction of our party. Everything he's touched is bankrupted and destroyed. Fortunately we were able to elect President Biden pro-normal adult in the room actually addressing issues. President Biden was in Kentucky uh, in a bipartisan basis with Mitch McConnell. There's a photo for our YouTube viewers watching of Biden meeting McConnell, and they were talking about infrastructure. And I'll play you a clip. There was, you know, McConnell was praising Biden and Biden was talking about McConnell on this infrastructure package. Disagree on a lot of issues very strongly, but when it comes to infrastructure and making sure that we have better paying jobs here and better infrastructure here. That's something that we should all rally around. And that was playing out President Biden, McConnell, a bunch of other governors from different states as well, Republican governors, Democratic governors, all in Kentucky. There was almost a side-by-side image that we were doing here on the Midas Touch Network's live coverage showing you this is what Biden is doing right now. And this is what the MAGA Republicans are doing now. One is governing, not just governing, but thriving and actually fighting for the American people. The other is fighting against the American people. Here, let's play this clip of President Biden. Folks, I'm especially happy to be here with my friend and colleague in many years, and I might add, uh, longest serving leader in the United States Senate, Senator Mitch McConnell. Mitch, it's great to be with you. I asked permission if I could say something nice about him. I didn't want to. I said, I, I campaigned for him or against him, whichever helped him most. But, uh, but Mitch, uh, it's, uh, you know, uh, it wasn't easy and uh, to get this done. And it wouldn't have gotten done no matter all the work so many others have done and by writing the legislation and dropping it in. It wouldn't have happened without your hand. It just wouldn't have gotten done. And I want to thank you for that. And, uh, you know, uh, we have to find common ground, common ground to get major legislation done in any circumstance ever. But we got to find common ground to get legislation done. And meanwhile, uh, following day two of the chaos going on in the House of Representatives floor, you had former Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi speaking to the press on the stairways, just saying again, like, I hope that the Republicans can find some unity and some sense of purpose here. You see Pelosi just putting country over party. Just figure figure this out, people. The American people and the world is watching. Play this clip of Nancy Pelosi. We're very proud of the Democrats and uh, 
and you've never seen, no, none of us have seen anything uh, like this disrespect for the institution in a most cavalier, frivolous way. It's quite sad, but let's be hopeful that in the, the next day or so, as they find their, their purpose and their unity, they understand why they are here. Not finding any purpose or unity at all, the MAGA Republican parties continue to fight, heading into uh, more votes. want to show you, continuously, Matt Gates was calling Kevin McCarthy a squatter. He even sent a letter to the architect of the Capitol that we're putting up right here, telling the architect of the Capitol, I write to inform you that the Speaker of the House office located in the U.S. Capitol building is currently occupied by Representative Kevin McCarthy. As of this morning, the 117th Congress adjourned and a speaker from the 118th Congress has not been elected. After three undeciding votes, no member can lay claim to this office. What is the basis in law, House rule, or precedent to allow someone who has placed second in three successive speaker elections to occupy the Speaker of the House office? How long will he remain there before he is considered a squatter? Please write back promptly as it seems Mr. McCarthy can no longer be considered the speaker designee following today's balloting. He continued to say that, of course, on day two. And so heading into day three on Thursday, there had been six roll, six roll call votes, two adjournments that had resulted in uh, Kevin McCarthy being humiliated over and over again. That brought us to Thursday. And then by the end of Thursday, we got to 11 Brett, 11 roll call votes, still 21 defections. Nothing had changed. I can show you more clips, but I think the definition of insanity is just doing the same thing over and over again and showing uh, and having and expecting different results, but you get the same outcome. I guess the only difference here is that Matt Gates nominated Donald Trump as speaker, so Trump received one vote from Matt Gates there. Uh, but a lot of drama also going on on the Fox uh, versus the MAGA Republicans. And let's see if we have this clip of Lauren Boebert and Hannity going back and forth last night and seeing Hannity saying, I'm not frustrated. I'm not frustrated here. We have this clip. Let's let's play this one. You said complimentary things about President Trump needs to tell Kevin McCarthy that, sir, you do not have the votes. It's time to withdraw. Let me turn the tables, Congresswoman. Kevin McCarthy has 202, three votes. Your side has 20. So if I'm going to use your words and your methodology and your math, uh, isn't it time for you to pack it in and your side to pack it in, considering he has over 200 and you have 20? Sean, I understand the frustration, I promise you. But I'm not um, frustrated. He does you didn't not answer my votes. question. And we are hearing... We I'm are not, hearing I'm from many frustrated. people who are still voting with Kevin McCarthy You're who are very supportive of what we're doing, and they're cheering us on. So there are more for us than are against us, and they are waiting for Kevin to cave. Okay. Um, you know, the American people are certainly frustrated by... I'm frustrated ahead. by you not answering a direct question. You said to President Trump, you, you said earlier today that President okay. Trump needs to tell and Kevin McCarthy, McCarthy not you don't votes. have the we votes. Need to come up Hold with a can I finish? Candidate to elect can a I finish? Of the House. You don't have the votes and it's time to withdraw. He has 203. Your side has 20. Why is it time for him to withdraw and not you when he has so many more votes? 
Well, Sean, he needs 218, and he does not have 218. We've been trying Neither to work this you. out in private, as you said, for months. But Kevin McCarthy didn't even want to listen to us until his disappointing midterms. We all want a... How about Jordy. this clip? How about this clip, Rep, before we turn to Jordy of uh, the Fox Morning Show as well? And then, and then I want to get Jordy's reaction. All right, David Spunt, live from our D.C. Bureau. Thank you very much. You know, uh, Congressman Fitzpatrick is absolutely right. It's messy. But, that was Gallagher. Uh, Gallagher. Uh, but I've heard so many people say, you know, that's just how democracy works. This is not democracy. This is a televised hijacking. Keep in mind, uh, as David said, there are 200 people who are in Kevin McCarthy's corner. There are two, there are 20 or 10 percent who want anybody else, but they don't have, number one, they don't have a plan, really, because they make it up every day, but they don't have a viable candidate. They put, you know, first it was Andy Biggs, then it was Jim Jordan, now it's Byron Donalds, who's it going to be today? They are intent simply on blowing up the party, which they are doing, and this Congress. They do not care. You make a good point, though. If they don't like McCarthy, then shouldn't they have a solid candidate in the wings? Why don't they, they change? Why don't they nominate Matt Gates? Matt Gates has been on the floor all the time. He's one of them. He uh, was the original holdout. He should be, the, and he has made it very clear. He will not, in a million years, vote for Kevin McCarthy. Hey, put Matt Gates up today. Let's see what happens to him. How many votes is he going to get? There have been twenty. That's how many. Unbelievable. Eskin said, uh, we never had to deal with this much chaos when George Santos was the speaker. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's really good. It is fascinating watching the talking heads over at Fox News just implode over there. They don't they don't know how to meet this moment either at this point. They're just they're confused that that that's just flat out what we're witnessing happen. And I want to say this briefly about that Hannity clip, because that was a particularly funny clip because he was quite frustrated with Bobert. He's got very, very thin skin. And that's from a personal anecdote that we have here from the Midas Touch podcast. When we were making videos during the 2020 cycle, we made a buy Hannity video that became the number one trend on, <laughs> on Twitter. And then overnight, Hannity freaked out so badly that he actually wrote a blog post on his website about the video. The video, of course, used Hannity's own words against him. And uh, he was quite upset with that. So Sean Hannity over there at Fox News talks a big game, but he's got the thinnest of thin skin. What we had here is is Fox News has created a monster. Mm -hmm. Now that monster is running wild and it is causing havoc. And they are blaming the monster instead of the people who created the monster, which is them. They did this when the midterms were a disaster for them, and now they are doing this when they are facing the results of all their actions here. They refuse to look inward and say, listen, perhaps we should not have elevated these people. Perhaps we shouldn't have went all in on insurrection and with fascists, but now it's too late. So all they could do is they could whine and yell at Lauren Boebert and complain that they're not getting their Kevin McCarthy puppet in as easy as they expected, and they are freaking out. And so they are trying now to target the people like Lauren Boebert. But the funny thing that I've seen is that They've created, like I said, they created the monster, which they call, and Marjorie Taylor Greene calls, the base. We need to do stuff for the base. But here's the thing. The base has gone further to the right than they are. So when they have Lauren Boebert on, while we see that and go, these two people are horrible. I can't even, I can't even listen to either of them. Oh, my gosh. They're both the worst people on the planet. What the MAGA people, the quote, the base, see when they see that is they see Hannity 
taking the side of the quote unquote establishment Mm -hmm. and rejecting the MAGA candidates, rejecting the base and trying to uplift an establishment shill. And as they've been using in their language lately, they call it the uniparty. They want to support the uniparty. They're They're all the same, the uniparty. And so when they see any sort of instances of bipartisanship, when they see Biden out there with McConnell, when I look at that, I say, I hate McConnell. Like I really, he's been one of the most destructive people in American history, awful person, but I commend him and president Biden for getting together to actually deliver on this one thing on infrastructure. I'm happy to see that if you're working in the interest of the people, I'm all for it. Let's be bipartisan on these issues. Let's never trade our values. Let's never trade our values away. But if we could get something done for people in a bipartisan matter, let's do it. When Republicans today look at that, they go, you and a party, look, look, they're all working against it. It's the media. It's the globalists. Look at what's going on. And so you just have this never ending chaos where they require division. They require that conflict because without it, they cannot survive. That's who they are. They view themselves as the stern opposition to any kind of semblance of getting things done in our society. Marjorie Taylor Greene really invoking this whole concept. Marjorie Taylor Greene, who people have been furious at, if you look at any of her comments online on Twitter, she's been getting ratioed, which means that she's been getting far more comments on her posts than likes on her posts of angry people commenting on all of her posts. Marjorie Taylor Greene just posting after this long day saying Dems are openly plotting to elect a moderate Democrat approved speaker if we don't elect McCarthy. This is what I've been warning about. If that happens, you can kiss investigations into COVID, the Biden crime family, DOJ weaponization, impeachment, and subpoena power. Goodbye. Well, Marge, that might play with the base, even though it doesn't play with the base because they don't want your Kevin McCarthy, as Donald Trump refers to him. My Kevin, my Kevin. They don't want my Kevin. They want anybody else but my Kevin. But what the American people as a whole want, not your crazy base want, is they don't want those things that youth are threatening will not happen if Democrats are able to come together and get a moderate speaker with Republicans. The American people don't want endless COVID investigations, not into the people who dropped the ball on COVID, but into people who try to actually help COVID actually try to help get people vaccinated, people like Dr. Anthony Fauci. They are not trying to investigate here the people who spread lies and disinformation and deceit. They are trying to investigate the people who actually try to help Americans get through this pandemic through a rapidly changing novel coronavirus. The American people don't want investigations into Hunter Biden nonstop. They don't want you to be defunding the FBI or defunding the Department of Justice and trying to impeach Biden and impeach Mayorkas and subpoena everybody. They don't want that. This is a rejection of you just as much as it is a rejection of McCarthy. And one of the interesting things tonight is how Tucker Carlson is taking the news. Tucker Carlson, we've been speaking about the humiliation here, the humiliation of Kevin McCarthy and of the Republican Party. Well, Tucker Carlson, he had a few thoughts on humiliation. Let's play Tucker Carlson's comments from tonight. 
I think he's going to win. I think he's going to be a better speaker for all of this if it ends within 48 hours. I think that's right. Humiliation is good for people. It's been good for me. I'll, I'll say that. The humiliation is good for people. Humiliation has been good for me. I will say that, says Tucker Carlson. I can only imagine what he's talking about. Of course, we've all seen his historic humiliation being humiliated by Jon Stewart uh, back when he was a co-host of Crossfire back in the day. Perhaps he is alluding to that a little bit. But, uh, you know, it seems that they do have, and it's, once again, like Jordy said, it's okay if it's your thing, but there seems to be a humiliation kink in the Republican Party as Kevin McCarthy and the Republican Party suffer from what we are calling here electile dysfunction with their inability to get to 218 after multiple days of voting. Now we are seeing the dysfunction of the Republican Party, the electile dysfunction of the Republican Party now. This is who they are. This is just the first few days of Republican House control. We got two years of this, people, and this is how they're starting it. Because even if... Sorry, Jordy, go ahead. No, I was going to say, if your electile dysfunction lasts more than 11 votes, uh, you need a new speaker. <laughs> well, I, 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 think it if, I think that it actually is if it lasts more than one vote, because that's the concession that McCarthy's giving. It takes basically one individual to, for the Republican Party to ask for a vote of no confidence to oust him. So what we are seeing now is going to repeat itself over and over again. Matt Gates just gets upset with Kevin McCarthy, assuming Kevin McCarthy can actually pull this off then he'll be removed. It'll be, it'll be, it takes one person to do it. And then we'll go through and see this every day over and over and over again. But the contrast couldn't be clearer. So we showed you that video of President Biden in Kentucky. This was Pete Buttigieg, the Secretary of uh, Department of Transportation. Um, this was him on Fox giving, uh, just letting, letting Fox know, like, I know you all want to spread this disinformation about supply chain issues. Like, we address our problems here in this administration. We, we focus on resolving problems and we deal with them. Um, we don't just, you know, whine and act like petulant third graders. No offense to petulant third graders. Here's the clip from Buttigieg's appearance on Fox. I want to deal with a couple of controversies that are getting attention from your critics. Basically, they're saying that you kept a low profile during the Southwest debacle. I never did a press conference from the Transportation Department. You were in Portugal during the rail strike crisis. You're on paternity leave during the 2021 supply chain crisis. This is what they say. And that, how do you address that criticism? Sure, it's nonsense. And obviously the paternity yeah. stuff is, you're allowed to do, but they say several weeks and it was during the supply chain crisis. It's nonsense. Let's start with the supply chain crisis. I worked that issue before, during, and after the time that I was uh, focusing on my children, before, during, and after their hospitalization. And what happened with that supply chain crisis? Well, before the holidays last year, there were uh, all kinds of news organizations, not just this one, running stories saying Christmas was going to be canceled. And what actually happened? An all time record high in terms of the amount of goods moving through our ports and in terms of retail sales that year. Let's talk about what happened during these travel disruptions. Well, how, how about, about, how about like rail dozen... strike? We'll go backwards. Rail sure. strike crisis. Okay, let's do, the rail, let's do the rail strike. Yeah. So the legislation passed in December and in the days and weeks leading up to that legislation passing, I was on the ground. I was on Capitol Hill. I was on the phone working that issue, not solo, it was part of a team with other cabinet secretaries under leadership of the president to get that done. Two months before that, there was the tentative agreement. And in the days leading up to that, where was I? On the ground, 
on the phone. I think the night before the tentative agreement, I remember going to bed at 1 and then being back up to check my phone okay. at 4. All right, now, here's the other criticism. Wanna, I, I, we on, talked about Southwest. No, no, this is really important because there are people out there with a straight face denying that I was on the ground in the United States working this issue in the days leading up to the tentative agreement and then later on the bill. Now, it is true that, uh, like a lot of people in Washington in late August, I was ready to get out of Washington for yeah. a few, few days, and I did. But in a job like mine, even if you're on vacation, even if it's uh, a holiday, even if you're on leave uh, or a weekend or whatever, you're always available because okay. the job is 24-7. All right, here's the other criticism. Brilliant. He's so good. He's, he's so good at what he does, at, at laying it out. And I think it's a bit... You know, ironic maybe, but it's so predictable how anytime that there is an issue with private enterprise, the party who consistently says, get government out, we don't want the government to regulate anything, we don't want the government and private business out, keep them away, keep them away. The second that a private business has an issue, like a Southwest Airlines who had a private business issue with their computer systems and were unable to handle the passengers as there were weather delays and whatnot and caused chaos. They go, how is this? the? It's Pete Buttigieg's fault. It's the government's fault. Why aren't they doing more? You got to do more for the business. Help. We need more regulations. It's just ironic how quickly they switch, at least when it's a democratic administration, they go from, oh, we're free market conservatives to Pete Buttigieg. Why aren't you the CEO of Southwest? Can't you do anything to help here? <laughs> they just in on a dime switch. But that's why Pete is so good. He's, he's a master so orator. He is really good at just drilling down and just totally brushing back the nonsense, pushing back the gaslighting, pushing back the lies. And you see Fox News right there try to kind of go, you know, you know, many people are saying, some people are saying, yeah, it's like you're saying it, Fox. You're the one who's spreading it. Or you get your comments on the Fox News boards and then you go and you start writing that, you know, and then you do stories on your comment. You're creating your own narrative, however you want it to be. So it's good. I think it's good when Pete Buttigieg goes there, especially there. He was in studio with Brett Baer to respond to those things masterfully, knocking back on the lies. And once again, the distinct contrast that we are seeing when you see the competence of somebody like a Pete Buttigieg out there, and when you see the chaos of the Republican Party unable to even name a speaker, let alone do anything, the contrast cannot be clearer when it comes to competence versus incompetence. And the Democrats, when they were out there today, I, I, I want to add, in case I didn't say it on this broadcast just yet, it's hard to tell as we go on hour nine now of live broadcasting <laughs> today. But when the Democrats would speak, when, when the Republicans would speak, they would speak a lot in empty platitudes. They would speak a lot in, you know, uh, you know, speaker history, George Washington, you know, they're just a lot of emptiness that didn't really say anything. When the Democrats spoke, their language was very deliberate. And I found that their messaging was very on point as well. They referred to themselves not often as the Democratic Party. They referred to themselves as the governing party, which I think is an incredible way to brand yourself. There's a, a, a clown party and there's a governing party that's actually trying to get stuff done that's unified. Look at us. And then they also branded the Republican Party quite effectively over and over as, look, they are the party that can't get anything done. They are the party of no. 
When it came to drug prices, lowering drug prices, they said no. When it came to expanding voting rights, they said no. Civil rights, they said no. LGBTQ plus rights, they said no. Defending democracy, they said no to all of that. In contrast, Democrats said yes, and Democrats are working for the American people, and we actually know how to govern, was the message that they were sending. And every single day that this drags on, it shows more and more and more who is at the root of the chaos in our government. When we when we were talking about the midterms and those polls were coming in that said, you know, the people, the American people think that the government is in disarray and that there's less unity than ever and that they think that we're heading in the wrong direction at greater rates than ever. I said, hold up, hold up, stop, 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 stop. Why though? We need to drill in on the why. Why do they think that? Is it because of the Democrats? Or is it because there is a party that are obstructionists that refuse to do mm -hmm. anything out there? Because if you drill down on why are people upset or scared about the future, it's because you have people like this in power on the Republican side who refuse to even lift a finger and do the bare minimum to move our society forward. And that's right. been on full display. It should be noted that the FAA, Trump's F head of FAA, was the one who removed all common sense regulation, uh, gave Southwest billions of dollars, which they used to buy back their stocks and basically let them run rampant, creating the situation. And Pete Buttigieg had been trying to fix that and try to undo all of the things that the Trump administration did there. So while President Biden was talking about infrastructure in Kentucky, as Pete Buttigieg was explaining the way the supply chain works to Fox, like as Fox is like, people were very critical. Like it says like 11th roll call vote fails, like on the bottom right where Pete Buttigieg actually solved all of the issues that were being addressed, these fake crises that Fox tries to create. And then as a foreign policy, uh, point of order. Today was a big day uh, in Ukraine and in terms of the U.S. rallying support for Ukraine, which drives the MAGA Republicans crazy. One of the unifying themes from all factions of the Republican Party today was their hatred of Ukraine and their and their hatred of Zelensky. Whether you were on the McCarthy faction or the Gates, whatever faction that was, the constant uh, Russian propaganda that was being spread was beyond beyond obvious and uh, shocking frankly that like that's that's who they are as the MAGA Republican Party all of them were talking about Ukraine 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 um, but today US rallied France France delivered AMX 10 RCs Germany delivered martyrs USA delivered Bradleys um, as one commentator wrote Paul Massaro on Twitter this is some game-changing equipment um, to help win the war and a sign that there's bigger stuff on the horizon and rallying our allies uh, for Ukraine so big and President Biden's ability to stand up powerfully against Putin and make Putin look so small is something we should always point out here on the Midas Touch Network. And also speaking about making Putin look small and Putin puppets look small, special counsel Jack Smith has arrived in Washington, D.C. from The Hague, where he was recovering from a bicycle uh, injury. He's But he's been hard at work issuing uh, dozens of subpoenas but he's now here in the Washington, D.C. area. Um, Bloomberg has reported that charging decisions will likely be coming soon. Let me read this. Two years after the U.S. Capitol attack and with the 2024 election cycle looming, Special Counsel Jack Smith and his team of Justice Department prosecutors are combing through new testimony and evidence. He's set to make critical decisions about whether to bring charges, possibly in a matter of weeks. According to people familiar with the matter, what we should be looking to is people like 
John Eastman and Giuliani and Jeff Clark, to me, was always the next tier of people being charged. And then I think after that, Donald Trump. But buckle up, people, because this is going to get very, very, very interesting over the next two to three months. This whole These whole next two years are going to be incredibly interesting. And I think we're going to see 2023 as the year uh, the wheels of justice turned finally in the right direction. I think we will see indictments. Remember, there are already a number of trials that Donald Trump is set to face. He's set to face New York Attorney General Letitia James' uh, fraud trial where she's seeking at least $250 million in damages. That trial is set to take place in October. The E. Jean Carroll civil rape case and defamation case is set to take place in April. Um, you have the Manhattan District Attorney investigating Donald Trump for crimes. You have Special Counsel Jack Smith investigating Donald Trump directly for crimes. You got Fawny Willis uh, in Fulton County engaged in a criminal investigation of 2020 election interference there. And what are the MAGA Republicans doing? Well, one of the concessions they've demanded out of Kevin McCarthy is to launch investigations into the Department of Justice and into the FBI because they want to abolish the Department of Justice. They want to abolish the FBI because they are prosecuting domestic terrorists and the MAGA Republican Party are not just incompetent, but they are domestic terrorists. This is why I think the Midas Touch Network has filled this niche that didn't exist. And we noticed it very quickly. We're like, why aren't the large media networks calling traitors traitors? Fascist, fascist. Here, if we can, Salty, our incredible producer who's been working like for 18 hours nonstop, can we pull up the photo of Donald Trump and Kevin McCarthy at Mar-a-Lago? Because to me, this photograph kind of sums up everything right here that we've been talking about. And here at the Midas Touch Network, we don't look at this and go, oh, these are uh, conservatives who are meeting to discuss uh, the government. No, these are two traitors. These are two criminals. These are two fascists. These are people who want to, have tried to, who will, if they're not stopped, destroy the United States of America, destroy our government. They are fascist, traitor, criminals. And we're going to call them out and call a spade a spade. We are not afraid here to do that. And I think that is why independent media in 2023 is also so important. And I was so humbled by all of your support, me, my brothers, everyone associated with the Midas Touch Network, Salty included, uh, how humbled we were with all of your support. We were hitting 24, 25,000 concurrent viewers. Uh, we were getting more viewers watching the Midas Touch Network than any of the major media networks. They average about 175, 200,000 views midday. We would be hitting close to 300,000 views for our coverage of it in addition to 24, 25,000 concurrent. And trust me, we know none of this is possible without you. You are our backbone. We are so privileged and honored to have your support. That's why we are 100% accountable to you. When we started in this endeavor, we decided we're not going to take any outside investor money at all. So we're not funded by millionaires and billionaires, and decamillionaires. And by the way, who've approached and said, hey, it looks like this media network's doing good. Can we fund you? Absolutely not. We don't want people with any agenda other than 100% unapologetically pro-democracy. So the way we've built this in such a unique way 
is that we created this Patreon account, and it's patreon.com slash Midas Touch, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Midas Touch. We have exclusive content you can only get at our Patreon site, um, including you can become an honorary producer of the Midas Touch podcast in one of the membership tiers. Your name will appear at the end of the show. You'll see at the end of this show, for example, the names of the honorary producers will be there, and they'll be there in perpetuity as long as YouTube remains in existence and our channel does which will be for the long foreseeable foreseeable future you can also get postcards from me and my brothers there's also behind the scenes footage exclusive podcasts and more but most importantly when you go to patreon.com slash Midas touch it helps grow this independent media platform in lieu of the fact that we don't have other investors out there so be a part of history no pressure if you can't do it but if you can it does go a really long way so it is my ask that if you're able to do it go to patreon.com slash Midas touch and see if you can join one of the membership tiers and support it there because it does go a very long way to help. Also, check out store.midastouch.com for the best unapologetically pro-democracy gear out there. Gear up with Midas Touch merch. We got some great shirts, some that just say Midas Touch, which is really cool. We also have It Wasn't Rigged, You're Just a Loser t-shirt. Send that to Kevin. I <laughs> and books shirt. Um, we also have the Convict or Convict 45 shirts and so much more. Go to store.midastouch.com. Also, we're on our way to 1 million subscribers here on our YouTube channel. So please hit the subscribe button now and share the Midas Touch podcast. Share this YouTube channel with friends, family, colleagues, coworkers, even people who may disagree with you. Share it with them and see what they have to say and tell them to subscribe as well. And wherever you get your audio podcast please subscribe to the Midas Touch podcast wherever you get your audio that goes and helps a long way with the algorithm there become an audio subscriber and leave a five-star review on the audio subscriptions as well it's free to subscribe on audio by the way so wherever you get your podcast just search for it find Midas Touch search m-e-i-d-a-s-t-o-u-c-h podcast you'll find it subscribe that really, really, really helps us. So we will see you. We're going to continue our live coverage uh, on Friday. Um, we'll see what happens next. For those listening to this on audio, you will be getting this on Friday. Um, and we are so grateful to our audio listeners and our YouTube listeners. I want to also reflect that when this is, Brett, to your point, when this started, when this does go uh, live on the audio only piece of it, it will be January 6th. It is a day that will live in infamy in our nation's history. And it is important on January 6th to really, really, really reflect on how close our democracy hung in the balance on that day. And but for the courageous actions of people like Officer Fanon, the great Capitol police officers there, the great Metropolitan police officers, courageous uh, members who supported democracy in Congress, not the MAGA insurrectionists who fueled it on, we may have lost our democracy. So our hearts go out to anybody who was injured um, by these despicable insurrectionists in the insurrection. Um, and we are thankful here for our democracy. We will continue to support it. Brett, any final words or should we just toss it to Jay? 
No, I just thank you everybody for sticking with us, whether you're here just for the past hour or with, or if you've been here since early morning today for all nine plus or 10 plus hours, whatever we are on right now, it's been an absolute pleasure to bring you this historic humiliation of Kevin McCarthy, this historic moment. Um, it's been an absolute joy to share this with you. And I'm so grateful to have this community. You know, it's we often, we call it the Midas Touch Network, but it's really the Midas Touch community. And we have this incredible thriving a growing pro-democracy community where, guess what, your party doesn't matter, but your love and support of democracy does. And I know all the people watching this, except for the few trolls in the chat, I know all the people watching this are strong supporters of our democracy, want to see an America that is run competently, that is run with normalcy, and wants to see these insurrectionists kicked out, wants to see these insurrectionists set aside, and wants to see them defeated. And we are honored to have you join us in this fight. And in those final words, as I say thank you to the Midas Mighty, I will let Jordy leave you with this. Shout out to the Midas Mighty! At Midas Touch, we are unapologetically pro-democracy, and we demand justice and accountability. That's why we're spreading our message to Convict 45. That's right, gear up right now with your Convict 45 tees and pins at store.midastouch.com. That's store.midastouch.com.